Well, the local church in Corinth, were, uh, it was uh, less than 10 years old, greatly blessed by God, and by the time of the writing of 1 Corinthians, the church in Corinth was a total train wreck. It uh, had become, I might just sum it up in one word, it had become about me. It had become the me church. They loved and they lounged in the uh, ministry glitz and the self-glam of, of their local church. They were kind of the be-about-me church. They were the coddle-me, make-it-about-me. They were the connect-me, position-me, give-me-what-I-want kind of a church. It was a meet-my-need, make-it-easy-for-me, um, scratch-my-itch, float-my-personal-spiritual-god-boat. And uh, really, they had turned the Lord's thing into their thing. Uh, their thing became the thing, and they were a train wreck. So we talked last Sunday, unified plurality, divinely empowered, was not the story in Corinth. Unified plurality, we'll, we'll see that here in just a second again. Divinely empowered, that, that's really the whole focus of First Corinthians chapter 12 that we talked through last weekend. And uh, God's glory was not out front. It was their own self-glory that was. John MacArthur said, uh, individualism is appealing because the natural man, the natural woman, is inclined not only to do his own thing, but to do it alone, or at least to do it without depending on or obeying others. Since Cain first renounced his responsibility for his brother's welfare, man had disdained the thought of responsibility for others. The philosophy that we are basically self-sufficient and do not need anyone else is Satan's philosophy and the opposite of God's plan and will for men. The well-known lines of Evictus, I am the captain of my fate, I am the master of my soul, express the heart of fallen man and his great desire to be his own small g God. Hey, Harvest as a young, nine-year-old, third-grade church. Um, by the way, let me clarify that. Not like third-grade, like we really stink. <laughs> it just came across my mind there. But like in third-grade class, not, okay, you got it. Nine years old. <laughs> you with me? Okay, help me out. It's a rainy day. Um, listen, we don't want to be what Corinth was. Right? Right? We don't want to be that. Um, instead, we want to be a church that's a, a ready, together, going kind of a people. And an honest comment with that, as I said last Sunday, the typical local church in America has lost itself in itself. Typical church in America has lost itself in itself, just like the church in Corinth. Kind of the typical mindset of God's people became more about how are you going to love and serve me as opposed to how can I love and serve together? It was in that very noise that Paul wrote 1 Corinthians. It was in the very noise of God's people being very individualistic that Paul had something far better for them to know about. 
And uh, we touched on this last Sunday. So if I could use some help real quick here, just real quick. If I could have some just right up front, whomever, just come on up, grab a card, go up on the platform. Right now, come on. Come on, Ben Dykstra. I see you there. All right, just grab a card up on the platform. Come on up on the platform, Karen. Up on top, Karen. Up on top. All right, up, up on the stage. All right. All right, now, if you're part of last week, some of you were, and it was awesome, okay? Now, on the back of your card, it's saying something, and, and here, let me illustrate. You want to see 1 Corinthians chapter 11? Here's 1 Corinthians chapter 11. Okay, so read the back of your card and make it all about you. Walk around. Ready? Go. Okay, so, so... Okay, hold there. So what was going on in Corinth was everybody was making their thing the thing. It was all about my thing. And Paul, in all of this, he says, hey, 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 hey. Paul, in all this, he says, you know what? Verse 20, I believe it is. He says, you know what? It's actually really good that there's schisms, that there's factions among you. Because it's actually out of that that God's people are going to show who they really are. And those who want to live and, and, and honor the Lord for who the Lord is isn't going to put up with it, isn't going to dive into that, and is going to respond in the kind of a way that pleases the Lord. First Corinthians chapter 11, that's what that was. Now, First Corinthians chapter 12, he says, don't be like what we just saw. Instead, be like together. Okay, try and put it together. Put the nose in here, the head's right there, the ears out there. Real quick, foot down here, foot down here, hand out here. Okay, yep, yep, yep. Okay, come on in. Okay, so, so, oh, you guys got it. Okay, so, and, and by the way, this is like where I sit every day here looking at this hole, and it's like, how can we move together? How can we further it along together? And, and, and every so often, a hand will speak. What will the hand say? We need a sports ministry. What will the ear say? Quiet. Pray. Let's listen to God. Yeah, stop running around. <laughs> just be quiet and listen. What, what does the foot say? Go to all the world. Go to all the nations. Yeah, we just were talking about that. That's a big deal here as well, right? And so we can end up getting about each of our things. But, but when this is together, when this is functioning as a team, that rocks. And that's a theological term. <laughs> all right? Petra, Peter, okay, <laughs> that rocks when it's like this, but end of 1 Corinthians chapter 12, Paul says, as cool as that is, as marvelous as I want that to be, for God's people to be functioning together like a team, there's even a more excellent way, because the truth of the matter is, is you can be like this versus what we just saw in 1 Corinthians 11, and Paul is saying, even like this, without agape, it's worthless. No, Pastor Doug, it can't be worthless. Because look at me, that's the way God's people are supposed to be. Together, working together, bringing the strengths together, unified, plurality together. And yet Paul in 1 Corinthians 13, we're going to go to now. Paul says, hold on a second. As awesome as this is, there's a glue that holds that together, and if it is not there, all of this is annoying before the Lord. Open your Bibles to 1 Corinthians chapter 13. Thank you, you can just lay all those right up on top here. 1 Corinthians chapter 13. 
chapter 11. At the end, Paul finishes chapter 11 by saying about the other pragmatic things, I'm going to give directions when I come, and then he opens chapter 12, saying now concerning the spiritual brothers, now concerning the spiritual sisters, then he finishes chapter 12, and he says, and I will show you still a more excellent way. You see it? And yet I will show you a still more excellent way. Paul, what is that way? I'm really curious, Paul. What's the one thing? What, what, what does that have to be? I want to say this, friends. Listen. Of anything that's going on here, of anything that's going on in your life right now, I would ask all eyes, all hearts, all ears right here in this text together right now. Because if this is not active and real, well, we'll find out what the Lord says about it all. This is what is to be the core of it all. And so God, I pray, would you help us to see it and grow in it? God, this is far more than a a warm and fuzzy wedding chapter. This is far more than a hallmark moment kind of love. Help us. Help us to see it. Help us to get it. Oh God, help us to do it. Together. Your name. Amen. And I will show you a still more excellent way. Chapter 13, verse 1. If I speak in the tongues of men and of angels, but have not agape, I am a noisy gong or a clanging cymbal. And I have, if I have prophetic powers and understand all mysteries and all knowledge, and if I have all faith so as to remove mountains, that'd be cool. I'd put one in my backyard. But have not agape, I am nothing. If I give away all I have and uh, perhaps, uh, I'm sorry, turn the wrong page, and deliver up my body to be burned, but have not agape, I gain Nothing. Let's hold there. It's really interesting here. What's Paul doing? Paul is using hyperbole. Paul here is actually using himself as the illustration. If you're here last Sunday, I talked about, I think, one of the things that's really missed in chapter 12 is so much of what Paul is talking about is being talked about from an illustrative purpose. And so here he continues this idea, but he's actually uh, saying, hey, uh, let me put myself in this illustration here. Remember, this is the apostle Paul. This isn't like Pastor Doug. This isn't like just anybody else like myself. This is like the Apostle Paul, and he's putting himself in the illustration. It adds to the whole of it. And he's kind of exaggerating things to try and get a point across. So let's hear the point of what's going on. And here in verse 1, he's saying, like, if I have ultimate oration, if I have the ultimate oration, and a guy like Paul would want to be able to have that ability... If I have like the, the, the best possible way of ever speaking an oration like that's ever been around, but I'm without agape, I'm a zero. I am nothing. In fact, not only am I nothing, but it's like I am annoying. 
because he uses it like a clanging gong. And I was going to get one or go up on the drum set and do it, but I'll spare you that. Why? Because it's annoying. And it's like I could have the most excellent oration, but if I do not have agape, it would be just equal to super annoying. If Paul had ultimate proclamation, if he had ultimate human understanding, verse 2, if he had ultimate prayerful trust in God, but if he was out without agape, he and you and I would be what? Zero. This is not talking about in the social status of things. Ultimately, this is really talking about in front of the eyes of the Lord. Bigger, far bigger deal. In the front of the eyes of the Lord, this is all adding up to nothing. I put it this way. If Paul was the ultimate ninja warrior for proclaiming God's truth so that people could understand it, but zero in the field of agape, he would be a self-declared nothing. If Paul was the ultimate Columbo for answering all mysteries, okay, that aged me, but that's okay. I love Columbo. If he was the ultimate Columbo for answering all mysteries and the ultimate Albert Einstein of all knowledge, but a zero in the category of agape love, he would be what? Okay, all together, the universal sign is? Zero. If Paul was the ultimate philanthropist, or the ultimate martyr, but registering a zero in the living out of agape, he would be before the eyes of the Lord. That's serious, isn't it? I mean, he is like taking it quite to an extreme. Think about it. All of that oration, all of that proclamation, listen, the Lord can use it, but as far as him before the Lord, as far as even the ultimate faith to be able to move mountains, the ultimate, the ultimate, the ultimate, all of, the ultimate chapter 12, but without love, before the Lord. How interesting it is, not trying to stir the spot on this, okay, I am. But it's like, wait a second, Paul. When I got my 1 Corinthians 12 spiritual gift test back, it didn't have a front page that said, you know what? All the other pages are ultimately irrelevant if you are not an agape person. So like, let's just stay on page one. I've taken them before. I've never seen a page like that. We grab chapter 12. And then we put chapter 13 off for weddings. But it's the more excellent way. And Paul's like, hey, after trying to get all this mess that you kind of saw up on the stage going on, organized together, hey, while I've got you thinking there, I want to let you know there's one thing that is above all of that. And it is agape. And it's the most excellent thing. So what is this thing? Verse four through seven. Verses four through seven. Agape is patient and kind. Agape does not envy or boast. 
It is not arrogant or rude. It does not insist on its own way. It is not irritable or resentful. It does not rejoice at wrongdoing, but rejoices with the truth. Verse 7. Agape bears all things, believes all things, hopes all things, endures all things. Verse 8. Agape never ends. Why are you using agape? Because we don't understand the word love very well. So let me talk about this particular word, agape. Translated in English, it does mean love. What is it? Well, good question. Let me kind of uh, answer it this way. Hey, husbands, Ephesians 5.25 says you are to agape your wife like Christ agaped you. By the way, no shoulder bumps right now. Husbands, the picture of how you and I are to be loving our wife is the same picture of Christ because Christ is the ultimate picture of this whole word of agape. Agape. The picture is Christ. And by the way, in Ephesians 5, and, and even when Jesus talks about the, the, using the term agape, he's talking about the fact of, let's put it in this frame, walking down the Via Della Rosa to the cross. The living snot beat out of him. Hated, reviled, mocked, beaten to a pulp, And yet, he kept walking to the end. Bear with me today, especially first service. You always get the emotion. This one has rocked me this week, this whole text. I've always heard it in the weddings and I've heard about it so love. This is way deeper than that. This is not just about a group hug. Hey, you will not hear me today saying, church, we just need to hug each other. No, no, no. What the call of 1 Corinthians 13 is, hey, church, it's time to start walking down the Via Della Rosa for and with each other. Even when life has beat the snot out of us, and we are discouraged and wonder if anyone cares. Hurting. It continues. Pummeled. And it continues. That's agape. Put it this way. Agape is not the Hallmark movie. Not. Agape is a verb in this text, not a noun. John 13, 1. Jesus agape them to the end. 
What an incredible statement that is. He's there with his guys shortly before the crucifixion, and it says just that. He loved them to the end. So what is agape? That's the picture, but let's let hear the definition. And let's do this. Let's have the text define it. What's the first one? Agape is what? Patient. By the way, it's patient with people. Patient with people. It fits the context. Rarely does the New Testament speak of patience with your circumstances. Plus the context of patience, uh, of chapter 12 coming in here, clearly this is talking about patience with people. Do you ever feel like you need patience with people? (laughs) You better watch it with who you're sitting by. We all need patience, don't we, with each other? Agape is patient. Agape is kind. Means active goodwill. Patient with people and active goodwill. It goes hand in hand with patience. They're together. It's not just I'm putting up with you, but it's also an active goodwill in return. Third, does not envy. Envy, it's act of jealousy, does not do that. It's act of jealousy of popularity of another or of their success or their beauty or their talent. It is not act of jealousy of why didn't I get that? Why don't I deserve that? Well, I, I, I must have that. Not envy, not act of jealousy. Fourth, not boasting, definition, self-parading. I like that. I don't like that, but it's a good definition. Not self-parading. Might I say, maybe we go home today and take a look at our Twitter and Facebook accounts and evaluate upon that. Self-parading of one's accomplishments, whether they're doing so loudly or quietly, seeks to make others jealous ultimately and it ultimately puts others down and it builds self up not boasting not arrogant in other words not self important not self important jaded in self pride pufferfish head not arrogant Verse 5, not rude. I mean, ill-behaved. Ill-behaved. It's unbecoming without sensitivity to others around, being careless, overbearing, often crude, without graciousness. Rude. Agape is not insistent. In other words, it's, it is insistent. It's unyielding. When a person is unyielding, that's not agape. Wives, it's really interesting. I made mention about Ephesians 5, and right before that, the text says, uh, wives, yield. Yield. One of the ideas here in this is not insistent. In other words, it's, it's got to be my way. Must be my way, because my way is the right way. All the time. 
Not that. Not insistent. It's not, Daddy, I want the golden goose. It's not that. Man, is that girl annoying in that movie. Not irritable. Not testy or touchy. Not grouchy, moody, easily angered. Not a person of sudden outbursts in self-defense or retaliation. By the way, as I'm reading through this, I would really encourage you not to be considering uh, those around you. I'd really be encouraging to considering you. Okay? Not testy or touchy. Not resentful. Here's a highbrow definition. Not miffed. (laughs) Not miffed. Brooding. Not peeved. Not keeping an account of being wronged and not reading or rereading how others have wronged you. That's resentful. Jesus, how many times should I forgive? Big theological definition. A lot. Again, 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 and again. Agape is not resentful. Verse 6, not rejoicing at wrong, but rejoicing with the truth. My two words would be truth rejoicing. It's not someone who makes wrong appear as somehow right or acceptable or okay. You know, sometimes some things that are wrong are not funny. But it's not just being the wrong police. It's about rejoicing in truth. They don't laugh. They don't smirk at wrongdoing or untruth. But it rejoices. It's not just about what we are not. It's about what we are. Rejoicing in the truth. That's what agape does. Parents, rejoice in the truth when your children do things well and right and pleasing to the Lord. Hammer that one home in a parade. Woo, kiddo. Bada bing. That's what we're talking about, sweetheart. More of that. The Lord loves that. Whoa, is that my mom, dad? Kids need to hear us cheer them on. And we need to be that kind of a people. Truth rejoicing when that takes place. Verse 7, bears all things. Another definition could be shoulders all things. Agape endures, as will be mentioned later. It feels the pain of life and others. It carries the pain. It never protects sin, but is anxious to protect the sinner and bear in and with God's people. Sometimes there are things that are hard in life, not just in our own lives, but in others' lives. And and agape love is the kind of thing that it bears all things. It just bears that. It, It puts up under that. And even when things aren't the way they maybe should be, it bears in it that the Lord's gonna show up in this. The Lord's gonna do a work in this. I don't wanna make it happen. I want the Lord to make it happen. It bears together, number item number 12, it believes all things. It gives credence to It's not a suspicious or cynical person, but opts for the most favorable possibility first. It opts to consider innocence before guilt. Agape believes the best first. Hey, friends, that's really hard today, isn't it? 
I want to tell you, uh, one of the things I'm always interested in is cultural shifts and the impact of culture on people. And uh, I'm really concerned right now, holistically, just even with the recent election. No, I'm not going to get any political conversation on that. I'm just talking about how people are responding to the whole of it all. We're becoming a very cynical people. We have fight before seeing God. And by the way, I'm talking about God's people. Listen, there are things that we are to stand up for what is right and not rejoice in what is wrong. But at the same time, I know this, God is at work. That would like be a really great time to, to help me out here. Like God is at work. Hey, I don't care if you're Republican or Democrat or whatever you are in that. God is at work. And all things are moving where he wants it, and we are to endure in it. And I'm getting off notes. Bears all things, believes all things, let's keep going, hopes all things. I'm really concerned about our culture. Hopes all things. Confident expectation. When running out of faith, agape holds on to what is known even if it's unseen. As long as God's grace is in operation, human failure is never final. God's at work. Maybe today you come in here and you're here and you're just really discouraged and you just feel like I am a complete failure over and over and over again. Welcome to the team. And God's grace never ends. Never. He loves you. He's died for you. If you don't know him as your savior, it's time. He loves you, hopes all things. Next one, endures all things. Hupomene. The agape man, the agape woman, here's the word, remains. Endures. By the way, it doesn't mean they get out quick. It means you remain in it. James chapter 1 talks about that. Hupomene, it's you hold under. And, and we usually pray, God, get us out of this. And God's like, no, I want you right there, right there. You run, I'm chasing. And I'm going to hold you right there until you get all out of it that I want you to get out of it. Because I am not a pampering God, I am a perfecting God. And I am allowing things in your life and preventing things in your life. All of it, I am at work around and in your life to be able to be moving you, to be able to be maturing and growing for my glory and for your good. It endures all things, it remains. And friends, agape love remains. And then the beginning of verse 8. Agape never ends. It's all of these all the time. You see the list on the screen or down on your pad of paper? It's all of these all the time. Doug, um, you have given an impossible list. Surely God does not expect us to be perfect in this. Correct. That is correct. It is the kind of thing we will never be all of these all the time. Jesus was, we will be not. Listen to me. What God calls his people to do and to be, God equips them to do and to be. 
And so this isn't the kind of thing where it's like, yeah, I'll never hit it, so I'm not running after it. No, the Lord wants these running in our heads, in our hearts, in our souls, in our hands, in our feet, in our ears, in our mouth, in our eyes. All the time. And that is not me. I am so not even close to this. And neither are you. But listen to me. What God has called his people to do and to be, he expects them to pursue after and he has equipped them to do and to be. And so look at chapter 14, verse 1. Pursue agape. See it? He's given us the definition of it. And then he's told us what to do about it. Pursue it. Pursue after it. That's the call out of the text. Let let me finish reading. Verse 8. Love never ends. As for prophecies, they will pass away. As for tongues, they will cease. As for knowledge, it will pass away. For we know in part, we prophesy in part, but when the perfect comes, the partial will pass away. When I was a child, I spoke like a child. I thought like a child. I reasoned like a child. When I became a man, I gave up childish ways. When I became a man, I gave up childish ways. How do kids speak? Me, my, and mine. And McDonald's. (laughs) Right? That's how kids speak. Me, my and mine. It's just in them, isn't it? And Paul's like, that's childish ways. I want men. I want women. Charging after being an agape man, an agape woman. Verse 12, for now I see in a mirror dimly, but then face to face. Now I know in part, then I shall know fully, even as I have been fully known. Verse 13, so now faith, hope, and agape love abide. These three. Let me say those again. Faith, really important? Hope, really important? But the greatest of these is agape. Know that Paul is not putting down all of chapter 12. Paul is not putting down understanding and knowledge and oration. Paul is not putting all of that away. The Lord is not saying that is all useless. That is not what's being said here. But what is being said is that we have a tendency, it's almost like Paul knew out of chapter 12, that Paul would write chapter 12, and then he's like, you know, the people in Corinth, just knowing them and what's going on in their situation and knowing the nature of people, maybe people are going to take 1 Corinthians chapter 12, and they're going to turn that whole idea of a unified, plurality, divinely empowered, and they're going to turn it into all about themselves and make it all about them and their own little thing. Oh, my word. That's what's happening today with 1 Corinthians chapter 12. And Paul, after that, he's like, don't, 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 look at the, don't look at the raccoon yet. Don't look at the squirrel yet. Don't look at the fleshy light yet. Stay with me in chapter 13. Listen, before, before you leave the context of what I just said in chapter 12, know this. Out of all that stuff, there's one thing. One thing here to be about championing. One thing here to pursue hard after. One thing that is to be the kind of thing that is who you are. 
Jesus, how will people know that we are yours? Answer, they will know you are mine by your agape. That's the word he used. What's the most powerful evangelism tool that we as a church could have? Love one another. And it will shine because it is not of this world. Because friends, to be agape people is not doable in our own strength. Because agape kind of living and loving is only by God's work in our lives. So many application points I could take it to. Let me just take it to this because the context of 1 Corinthians is talking to a church. So I want to keep it here for a little bit. Let me do this. How could we be this? Let me just ask a couple questions. What would agape look like entering the doors of this church? By the way, I want to thank you for being so much of this. Thank you. Thank you. This is not coming from a place where it's like, we got big problems, we got big issues. If you're around here, man, I I tell you, I love this place, I love these people, and I think God is doing a rocking job here. Thank you. But pursuing means never there. So even in all that God is doing, more, right? More agape in all of us and in us. So let's think about this. What does it look like walking in these doors? I mean, before you even get in the doors, what could be going on in our heads if we want to be at a true agape kind of a people, a walking the Via Della Rosa down the, uh, the road to the cross together kind of people, the imaging, looking like Christ kind of people? What could be going on in our heads? And I seriously, I want for some of you, well, what, could, what could we be thinking? What could be going on in our heads all together here? So Anybody? Prayer, oh, wouldn't that be cool? And the kind of prayer, let's put it this way, the kind of prayer not where we're just saying, God bless us today, God, you know, hey, uh, what does that even mean? Uh, I mean, let's just even say, is God do a work? God, may we love each other like we've not loved each other before. God, may your word, may the song, may the people rock this place and push us out when we leave here so that your glory is increasing in us. Oh, God, do a work here today, right? Awesome, what else? Oh, yeah, so I'm coming in the door, and it's like, yeah, but I'm brand new here this Sunday. Yeah, but I just want to know, if you're brand new here this Sunday, you are so welcome here. I love having you here. And yet, in it all, one of the things I learned, I went to four high schools in four different states growing up. And one of the things I learned after a little bit of time with that, God totally pushing out of my timidity boat, and I'm so not being timid today, so out of my timidity boat, is the whole fact of realizing, listen, if you're going to wait for people to come to you, you're going to be waiting a long time and especially in high school. So go. So just go. Go get. 
So whether you're new here, whether you've been here a long time, like, uh, let me just put it this way. Do you care about the people that are around you? Uh, just, just, do you really care when we walk in the door? Are we looking? Yeah, but I'm not on the greeter team. Who cares? We get in the door. We're here together. How can agape look? Serve, yeah. By the way, thank you. Who serve with our children's ministry? I love you, man. <laughs> sit in the center, sit next to somebody. Karen and I, years ago, when I was in business, and uh, we were, at one point, we were looking for a church. One, we had two things that we evaluated. One was when we walked in the church door, were people bringing Bibles? Because if they weren't bringing Bibles to church, I can tell you they weren't reading Bibles during the week. Because like the safest place to bring your Bible is like to church. And if you're not used to doing that, or if you're not doing that, I just want to lovingly say, bring your Bible. Amen. Bring your Bible, okay? Bring your, whether people were bringing their Bibles, and secondly, whether people were sitting next to each other. It tells about a, a community. And I understand it's nice to have a little bit of space. And that's the way we are, but... <laughs> and all God's people said Amen. hey listen I, I'm just I'm going to tell you something from my, from my vantage point these peeps are tight man and I'm, I'm, okay not being critical none of that but I'm just saying when even from my seat when you look around and you see what's going on something's going on over here and I would venture to say there's reasons why there's a closeness of sitting over here I would vet, bet if we could go and I think I'm looking around I know why what would agape look like in your small group What would agape look like in your small group? Well, maybe my small group isn't just about the material. Maybe my small group is actually about an opportunity to get together with some people and to agape the living lights out of it. To love on them to sink my teeth into what's going yeah but we don't have the same hobbies <laughs> but they want to know Jesus more dive in and ask questions and agape This is what I yearn for here. And right now, this is what I'm most scared of right now. That as we get larger, we lose this. And I am not 
going to take the view that larger can't be this. It can be if the people pursue it. And I call us to lovingly. Friends, I am not a very good agape person. I'm not. And I need your help. We need each other's help, right? Not a call for a group hug. It's a call for something far deeper. Far more excellent. That kind of people. Give me 50 of those versus 5,000 not those. I'll take the 50. Gladly. Gladly. So today, we take communion. By the way, uh, worship team servers don't move right now. We're going to take communion here in just a minute. And um, I want the Lord to rock us. Lord, please, will you? And as we sit and consider, and maybe for some, I've pushed hard on you, and you realize you need to change. Praise the Lord for that. Spirit of God is at work in you, and it's time to change. It's time to become this. Maybe those who are pressing this and growing in this and continuing to move in, in this and you're, in, and you're discouraged and you're having a hard time enduring, oh, may this encourage you. Keep it up, keep it up, keep it up, keep it up. It's for the Lord's glory. Before we take communion here together, allow me to read out of Mark 15. Just listen. Agape. And the soldiers led him away inside the palace, that is the governor's headquarters. And they called together the whole battalion. And they clothed him in a purple cloak. And twisting together a crown of thorns, they put it on him. And they began to salute him. Hail, king of the Jews! And they were striking his head with reed, spitting on him, kneeling down in homage to him. And when they had mocked him, they stripped him of the purple cloak and put his own clothes on him. And they led him out to crucify him. And they compelled a passerby, Simon of Cyrene, who was coming in from the country, the father of Alexander and Rufus, to carry his cross. And then they brought him to the place called Golgotha, which means place of a skull. And they offered him wine mixed with myrrh, but he did not take it. And they crucified him and divided his garments among them, casting lots for them to decide what each should take. And it was the third hour when they crucified him. And the inscription of the charge against him read, the king of the Jews. With him they crucified two robbers, one on his right, one on his left. 
And those who passed by derided him, wagging their heads and saying, Aha! You who would destroy the temple and rebuild it in three days, save yourself! Come down from the cross! So also the chief priests and the scribes mocked him to one another, saying, He saved others. He cannot even save himself. Let the Christ the king of Israel, come down from the cross that we may see and believe. Those who were crucified with him also reviled him. And when the sixth hour, when noon had come, there was darkness over the whole land until the ninth hour, until 3 p.m. And at the ninth hour, Jesus cried out in a loud voice, Eloi, Eloi, lemma sabachthani, which means, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? Some of the bystanders hearing it said, Behold, he is calling Elijah. And someone ran and filled a sponge with sour wine, put it on a reed, and gave it to him to drink, saying, Wait, let us see whether Elijah will come down to him. And Jesus uttered a loud cry and breathed his last. And the curtain of the temple was torn in two from top to bottom. And when the centurion who stood facing him saw that in this way he breathed his last. He said, truly, this man was the Son of God. That's agape. He agaped them to the end. Lord, as we now prepare ourselves for communion to remember the body and the blood, communion servers and torch union, go ahead. God, I would just pray right now it would be a sweet time of adoration and, and rejoicing with and in the truth. God, I pray that right now together as we participate in partaking of these two elements that are here for the purpose of reminding us of what you have done, that they would remind us of you as the picture of agape, that they would remind us to continue on. Oh God, I'm so feeble and so frail and so inadequate and so incapable as everyone in this room is. So I pray with just the Spirit of God do a work amongst us that only the Spirit of God could do right now. As we have hearts falling in repentance and seeking repentance for being not an agape person. Oh, God, may that be happening right now in this room. Open, bare, face down souls before you in utter repentance, but done with a hope that the one who came and died has made the provision for salvation, made the provision for us to be able to pursue on and have forgiveness and that the one, the second, the, 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 the Holy Spirit, he came and it dwells those who know Christ. You have equipped us with everything we need 
to do what you call us to be. So right now, Lord, I just pray you do a work among us. And whenever you're ready, if you know Christ is your Savior, come, grab the elements, grab the bread, grab the cup, come back to your seat, and then we'll partake together.